You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Welcome to Honey Do Me, a podcast that goes into the bedroom and beyond. Hosted by Emma Norman and Cass Anderson. Here at Honey Do Me, we don't have all the answers. So we chat with experts, educators, and badass changemakers to get them. We are here to remind our listeners and ourselves that what we're going through is normal. That we are worthy of love and pleasure. And that we are all in this together. So tell us, honey, how do you do you? Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing really well. Me too. Today. Besides when I just hit my head on the microphone a second ago. Other than that, I'm doing other great. Than that, I'm thriving. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Yeah. We um are you surprised? Because we usually don't answer that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> I had a great day today. You know when you just wake up in a good mood? <laughs> yes. Your pause. That was not like... the day for me. It got good. That's good. Some are born great, others have greatness thrust upon them. I love the way that you just add quotes into things. Thank you for You're that welcome. motivation. I really appreciate it. I It was thrust upon me today. Speaking of thrusting. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. What were you going to say? I just want to know where you were going to go. I was going to introduce the episode. Let's do it. We have a treat. <laughs> We're going to thrust upon you. Let's just thrust right into it. We got to talk to a dominatrix. Yeah. We talked with Kimmy Inch. Mm-hmm. If you don't know her, you should. My yeah. guess is if you're on TikTok, you do. Yeah. Um, she is a kink expert, a professional dominatrix, like Emma said, a kink and BDSM educator, a published author, and a somatic healer. So name yeah. a cooler job. Seriously. I, I'll wait. Did you See? name one? Nothing. <laughs> See? No, but it was just so fucking cool because we were just discussing like how we know nothing. Absolutely nothing. We know nothing. nothing about the dominatrix world. We have never gone into an interview knowing less than we <laughs> exactly. did this interview. I was like, how do I even actually, the only way I knew how to construct questions was to start from the bottom, which was what is a dominatrix? Yes, exactly. And we did. We started from the bottom. We went through every. <laughs> started from the bottom. Now, now we're, we're here. here. <laughs> we went through every nuance of like what it fucking means. Yeah, what what is your job? Is and- yeah. All the different facets of it, the the range. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it like obviously it wrapped around to being really good information for anyone. Yes. But I think we started with such a curiosity of like, what is this novel thing that people don't really know about? Or if it's talked about, it's not talked about educationally. Like you're not exactly. informed about what this actually is. You you watch movies. You're either in it and you know or yeah. You're listening to this episode. You're seeing, you're, yeah, you're hearing like myths and misconceptions about mm-hmm. what that world is. And it was so cool. And Kimmy is so cool. Yes. They're way are... too cool for us. I don't know how she said yes to us, but she did. She and did. We had a fantastic time. Um, 
there's so many applicable things like Emma was saying. So like, yeah, we go into some things that you might be like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's not for me. But that's totally OK, because, you know, we had questions about just to be how a little bit more dominating in the bedroom or how yeah. to be a little bit more submissive and let go. And she just gave us such practical ways to start exploring the full range of our sexuality without yeah. any shame, without um, boundaries of what we should or shouldn't be doing. Yeah. We started from basics and you can work your way up. And that's exactly what she did. Have you engaged in a lot of kink and BDSM in your lifetime? Not yet. <laughs> I might. Ah. <laughs> you should have asked me tomorrow morning. <laughs> I just uh, listened to Rihanna's, you know, S and M song. That's about on repeat last night. Yes, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> but that's about uh, it. Nah, 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 I would love out. to know your kink and BDSM experience. <laughs> Broad, deep, mm-hmm. um, expansive is yeah. what my lovers have told my me. Lovers, <laughs> so many of my lovers, so many of my lovers have been um, enlightened by my. You've brought so much to the table. I've given so much. You've, Let's say this. You and BDSM, like, like synonymous. Those are just... When you look up BDSM on Urban Dictionary, a picture of Cass comes up. Cassandra Anderson mm-hmm. comes up. And then my address. Yeah. So <laughs> it's really phenomenal. Exactly. I have never done anything <laughs> of the sort if That's what I was that thinking. isn't abundantly clear from every aspect about me. Totally. But I'm ready to get it going. I'm ready to explore. I'm ready. I've been looking. Okay. I saw this thing on Instagram. I think Ashley Cobb. So we did an interview with her Uh on sex toys. Definitely check out that episode if you haven't already. Um, But I think she posted about it and it was these really cool like silicone handcuffs. So it was, it's like one piece of like silicone. Uh Um, So they're like more comfortable. I don't know. They looked really, really fun though. And I want to try those. Wait. So they're still handcuffs, right? So they they don't like open or anything. You like put your hands through the holes. They stretch, but then, you know, you're not stuck forever. (laughs) And then that's it. Then you're done for the rest of your life. You chop off your hand or you stay. (laughs) (laughs) That actually sounds so much nicer than the toys. Like the the metal, plastic metal toys. I just felt like it sounded more comfortable. It's like you can throw it in your pocket. You never know when you're (laughs) going to bring it to work. You can fold it up. I don't know. There's just options with it. But I did really want to try it. And it wasn't too expensive. So I will. I think that sounds great. I'll do a full episode on a review of that. Totally. (laughs) You and Jurgen just come on and let's talk about your experience. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway. But that's the whole point is that it's just going to open your mind up a little bit. Give you some ideas of how to start looking at your mind. Open your legs. <laughs> she doesn't say that. Cass does. I say that. Cass says that. That's how I start. That's my morning mantra. <laughs> That's how I start my day. I open my eyes, open my mind, and then open my legs. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes my heart, depending on how safe I feel. Most times not. <laughs> I keep that closed. That bitch just locks up. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we really hope you enjoy this episode. And we'll, we'll see you on the other side. On the other side. <laughs> on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Alrighty. Well, we will just jump on in and we like to start out by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Excellent. Yeah. So my name is Kimmy Inch. Um, That is my given name, my uh, vanilla name, shall we say. (laughs) My mistress name, however, is Nina Payne. And I became a dominatrix 
approximately 15 years ago, I used to DJ. And at one point in my life, I was living in Tokyo and I was asked if I would be interested in DJing at a fetish party. And before then, I had really no knowledge of what fetish was, what kink was, what BDSM was. It was really kind of weird and intimidating to me. So I was a little shy about taking this job, but I figure, you know, why not? And when I was DJing at this party, I saw like it was quite a spectacle. I mean, people are dressed to the nines in these different really amazing outfits like corsets, leather, latex, you know, all of these really beautiful uh, styles. And I got to meet the people attending these events and they were some of the nicest, most open, kindest people. And I found the whole kink fetish BDSM thing to be really fascinating. Like I was always curious about what turns people on and why, like why do people have certain desires and certain fantasies psychologically? That was really intriguing to me. So I met these professional dominatrixes while I was DJing at these fetish parties and became friends with them. And eventually they asked me, Hey, would you be interested in watching me do a session, you know, I would just sit in a corner in my street clothes, I would get paid for it. And I could just watch this dominatrix uh, with her client and just sort of be a sort of spectator. And I, again, was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So the decision to become a dom was really easy for me. I was in my mid twenties and at the time, I was like, are you kidding? I can make a lot of money. I don't have to take off my clothes. I don't have to have sex with anyone. I get treated like a queen. I get <laughs> spoiled. Um, I was like, yeah, sign me up. Um, and that really was kind of a limited perspective at that young age. And I hadn't really understood, you know, the depths of kink. But that's really kind of where it began. And I was working as a dominatrix in Tokyo. I eventually moved to Sydney and I was going to school there. And uh, I continued to work as a dominatrix there in Sydney. And uh, eventually when I came back to the States, I came back to New York City, which is where I, I used to live. I I started working at different dungeons and I started teaching women who were interested in being dominatrixes. I was teaching them uh, how to do so. So I would make these like different lesson plans and these classes that you would have to attend if you wanted to work at the dungeon. And these dominatrixes were like, oh my gosh, I want to bring my boyfriend to this. I want my boyfriend to dominate me. <laughs> and they were like, oh, my best friend wants to come or my roommate wants to come. So I started doing these classes for the public and they just really took off. And that was a right around the time when 50 shades of gray came Ooh, out perfect. and people were just fascinated by kink. And yeah, it's kind of like the rest is history in that sense. Um, that was sort of the beginning of my dominatrix career and then my teaching career as well. So I've been doing this for over 15 years. Wow. Well, you sound like you have the coolest life ever. Um, <laughs> I've just been just mouthing to Cass how cool you sound. <laughs> that sounds awesome. That's so cool that you started out in Tokyo and that you were just so open to like sitting in on that first session with a dominatrix and then open to trying it yourself and starting your yeah. whole career off. That's incredible. 
Well, what's kind of funny is that as I began to dive into it more and more, I realized that actually I was kinky. Like I had been kinky for a while when I first started having sex with my, my first serious boyfriend in high school. I remember thinking to myself after a while, thinking to myself, like, is this it? (laughs) Um, I'm like, I think we could do better than this. And I would suggest like, hey, let's dress up and pretend we're different people. Or, hey, let's tie each other up. Or let's maybe, you know, slap each other. And my sweet, innocent boyfriend at the time, who's a teenager, is just like, why are we, why do you need to do all this stuff? Oh my God. He was glad to be having sex. He was just like, I'm just glad we're having sex, you know? But I just always felt like there was more. And um, so when I finally discovered the more part, I was like, oh, I guess I was kinky all along. I just didn't know what it was and why I wanted to do these different things. So yeah, kind of all clicked, you know? Oh, that's fantastic. So can you explain a little bit for us and our listeners what a dominatrix is? Yeah, you know, I'll I'll give you my personal definition because I think it's really important to distinguish this because a lot of people have this image of the dominatrix being this like cold-hearted, demanding bitch that like gets whatever she wants and, you know, she's constantly in, you know, head to toe black leather and is just holding her whip and is going to beat your ass. You know, it's just sort of that, that limited like uh, outlook on the dominatrix, but the dominatrix has a lot of different archetypes. So she can be nurturing she can be uh, playful. She can be the girl next door. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to approach it, but in a nutshell, my definition of what I do as a dominatrix is that I literally help people make their fantasies come true. And I do it in a way that feels supportive to them, feels safe to them. And I do it in a, a way that feels really effective. So in a sense, like I'm bearing witness to my clients in this really vulnerable state because a lot of the time, whether they're men or women, a lot of these clients that I see, they are shy to share this with their friends, with their, of course, with their family. They would never breathe a word of this to their families. And then even some of them with their own partners, whether it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, um, even their own partners don't know. In fact, even their own therapists don't know about this aspect of themselves. So I would be seeing people in this really vulnerable, authentic place. And in a sense, I'm not really the taker in the dynamic as the dominant. Um, I'm sort of, you know, gathering information from my client to know what sort of interests they have, what they want to explore. If it's in alignment with what I'm comfortable with, then essentially I'm sort of giving them what they're looking for. Don't get me wrong. I can put on different roles and I can come across with an attitude or being a bit more harsh or strict, but that's because the client is looking for that. Not because Mm -hmm. I'm just like that. You know what I mean? So essentially, yeah, I feel like you know, essentially I feel like I make people's fantasies come true and it feels really good. It feels good to be that person. We wouldn't want that. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I have this joke. I tell people like, you know, there's like make a wish foundation. And I'm like, I I feel like I want to like head a, like make a fantasy come true foundation because (laughs) I feel like people 
people have all these all these like fantasies, and obviously, as long as it's legal and safe and consensual, um, I think it's worth pursuing these things because it is a part of who we are. And just like when we were kids and we used to do make believe and, and play pretend, you guys remember those days, right? Right, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like doing this as an adult, but doing it, you know, in a sexually charged way, and it can be really exciting and really liberating. And um, yeah, I, I, I my mission in life is really to help people sort of come into that in a way that makes them feel good and not ashamed or embarrassed um, because I think it's a really healthy thing to do. 100%. I love a Make-A-Wish foundation for your fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> you can get behind that. Let's let's do it. Yeah. Let's start it. Let's figure this out. Everyone deserves to have their fantasies come true, you know? <laughs> exactly. So you're talking about the dominatrix personalities. So are yeah. any of the personalities that you portray things that aren't genuine to who you really are then? Or is every personality someone that you like have inside yourself? That's a great question. And I mean, I would have to say, I feel like, for example, you know, if somebody was looking for a dom that was really humiliating and really sort of hardcore in the language and in her style. So the way she brought her her energy towards the person was like full on hardcore, like, you know, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily um, who I am, but can I access something that feels authentic in the sense of can I be sort of bitchy sometimes can I go to those places where if I let my sort of shadow side uh, shine that that shadow side could be humiliating or try to tear someone down I can access these aspects of myself and I can amplify them so it may be a little bit um, over the top and not necessarily how I would act in, in a normal situation but I access my shadow aspects of myself in a healthy way in a way that's in service to my partner and that I have uh, control over because I'm grounded and I know that I'm doing it with consciousness. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in a sense, like every sort of um, attitude and, and aspect that I bring is sort of authentic. It's just sort of about magnifying it or amplifying it in a sense. Right. And then it makes it a little bit, I don't know, does it make it easier knowing that that's what they want from you too? Is it easier to access that way? Absolutely. And listen, you know, um, when somebody reaches out to me and is interested in meeting me, I want to get a sense of what they're interested in, because there are certain things that I'm not going to be comfortable with doing. And th some of the obvious ones are like, I don't do nudity. I don't mm -hmm. uh, do sexual exchange with anyone. I don't do anything that involves fluids. Um, but in a more psychological sense, if somebody was looking for something that wasn't in alignment with the things that I'm interested in or open to, then I'm going to let them know like, Hey, this isn't really my cup of tea. I might refer them to someone else who is more comfortable with that. Um, they might be wanting me to call them really harsh names or racial slurs even. And unfortunately that's not something that I feel comfortable with, even in a fantasy setting. And I have to be comfortable with what I'm doing. Otherwise it is going to translate into the session and it's going to have that energy of it being forced and not like really, uh, yeah, from my heart. So right. I just decline sessions that feel like maybe they're not in alignment with what I'm comfortable with. And um, I direct the person to, yes, someone that would be comfortable in that arena. And I don't judge the person at all. Just want to let you guys know, I don't judge someone if I'm like, that's not my cup of tea. It just isn't. And it's going to be better for them to, to play with someone who is more comfortable in certain spaces than I am, you know? 
Yeah, I think that's great. It's just another example of like setting boundaries and how important right. that is in every setting. Yeah, because you're not Absolutely. there to be used. You also have to be a part of the session and, you know, be doing oh. something that's a part of you as well. Absolutely. You know, there's a, a saying that people uh, that's that I believe is true to one extent is that, you know, the submissive or the one on the receiving end, the submissive bottom, whatever you want to call it, um, has all the power because they're the one sort of, you know, stipulating what activities they want to engage in. They're setting those sort of boundaries. But I say, although that is true on one level, that both parties have choice, both parties have power and both parties have responsibility. So I always say, you know, like both people have to come in looking at this as equals, even if during the session you're submitting to me and, and I'm the one that's taking the control Ultimately, you know, at the end of the day and outside of those contexts, I see my partners as equals and give them nothing but total and full respect. You know what I mean? So that's something that's always important for people to keep in mind if they're starting to move into these spaces because people have this limited view that, oh, I'm a dom, so you're supposed to do everything I want or I'm a submissive and, and you know, you're, you're supposed to use me. I mean, it doesn't really work like that. Um, there's a lot more consciousness around it. That's why when people think that kink and BDSM is violence or abuse, I'm like, it's not because there's so much preparation that's supposed to go into these things before you even start playing. So that's something that really distinguishes that kink and BDSM is not violence or abuse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really important PSA. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone needs to hear when we're starting to learn about these subjects. And one thing that I'm wondering, something that I struggle with is taking on a more dominant role in the bedroom. What are Mm -hmm. your tips for somebody who just wants to explore that, but isn't sure where to start or who laughs when they start to do it? (laughs) Because that's me. (laughs) The thing is with that, you know, I think some people get a little um, hesitant around assuming the dominant role because maybe they are lacking confidence because Mm -hmm. they don't have a lot of experience. Right. And just with anything, practice does make perfect. Practice does build confidence. I tell people to start slow. Like, don't imagine yourself turning into this, like, well-versed, you know, dom type of person when it's, like, literally you're just starting out. Like, start slow. Sometimes I tell people, before you even start playing with a partner, like, laying down with your partner or, like, you know, talking with them about like, Oh, what are you into? And when they're sharing, you know, sort of building on that, like, Oh, you like to be tied up. Mm, I'm imagining tying you up right now. Like before I even tie you up though, I think I would just pin your arms down to your side and just let you feel that sort of struggle as I pin you down. And you know, like there's (laughs) ways that you sort of build on that description and you get more and more comfortable in your own skin when you sort of start slow and you can do it in a mental way before you actually take action. And I also say to those interested, whether it's doming or being the submissive person, you know, doing a lot of homework, doing a lot of research, reading books um, and talking to other people will help as well build your confidence so you can take on that powerful role. But it's really about accessing your own inner power and knowing that it's a part of who you are as a human being and, and sort of building on that. So when you're playing with someone, 
you're taking your time and you're doing what makes you most comfortable. And then you kind of push the edge a little bit more and more with yourself so you can grow and expand into that part. So I just tell people, take it slow, do as much research and homework that you can start off with just using a lot of dialogue and talking and then like move slowly into the space, the, the, the position of power and, and actually incorporating different activities and techniques. Yeah. I love that. I've noticed for myself that sometimes I'm nervous to say something or I just get like <laughs> tongue tied and then you're embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the more that I like, if I just get myself to say it, then it just gets easier and easier mm-hmm. and easier. And then I can work my way up. So right. it's just that initial hump. Yeah. So <laughs> but I like how you phrased it. Like you asked them what they want. It's like being tied up. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, let me talk you through how that would go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that kind of mm-hmm. helps you like drop into that energy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And wine helps doing that <laughs> for me too, <laughs> usually. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think it's also sometimes really good, especially if this is a partner that you trust and hopefully it is because these, these sort of acts can be really intimate. And I hope that you play with someone that, you know, is trustworthy, but naming that, Hey, you know, um, I'm new or I'm kind of just starting out here and I, I don't really know everything yet, but I really want to learn. Um, and there's moments that I might feel a little shy or hesitant or embarrassed, like naming it sometimes can really take the zing out of it. You know what I mean? When you're just like upfront and honest with the person and that and usually nine times out of ten your partner's like cool like I appreciate your honesty and I'm going to sort of like help you through it because they also want to have a good experience with you and they may not be imagining that it's going to be the most mind-blowing thing event of their lives but they're (laughs) going to be able to baby step it through uh, with you and then you guys can build on that and get and keep improving um, each and every time so yeah I think sometimes naming it is a really important aspect of it as well. Yeah, I think for me, I go into most things thinking I have to be great (laughs) at it. If I'm going to do it, like I want to be good at it. And this is something that like I know (laughs) I'm not going to be good at right away. But I also have to remember like, yeah, my partner of four years isn't going to be thinking like, oh, yeah, Cass is really going to bring out the professional dominatrix in her today. (laughs) That's what's going to happen. Like, no. no, he would just be shocked if I did anything dominating. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I love that too. I think that's really neat. And, you know, sometimes I have, um, people ask me, you know, I have a partner that wants me to dominate them. Um, you know, how do I approach this? And it's like, well, you know, give them some, um, space to really talk about what they're envisioning and like, see like what it is that what their idea of domination because there's so many different styles like see what they mean when they're talking about wanting to be dominated and and what that looks like and also a lot of couples for example one wants to try out being more dominant but they don't think that their partner is going to be cool with with them being submissive some heterosexual couples the woman wants to try out being dominant with her man and she's like I don't think my man's gonna go for it you know he may not be um, open to being dominated by me and sometimes I say like instead of saying like I'm I'm here to dominate you now get on your knees um, <laughs> instead of doing something that that sort of approach sometimes I tell my partner like hey you know you're always sort of in charge and there's a part of me that feels like you need to be taken care of. Like I want to let you sit back and I want to kind of be in charge so you can just rest and let me kind of take you through this journey and, and you can just let go into it and obviously find out what his limits are. Cause not 
everybody wants to be spanked or tied up, but like just sort of giving that opportunity of like, Hey, let's try on a different hat and just spice it up a little bit or see how it goes. Because even if somebody's normally in a dominant position sexually, they can learn a lot by switching, by being um, in the submissive position. And they can learn a lot of tricks and get a lot of new ideas by trying on a different role. So sometimes I really suggest that people do try to switch it up and, and try on different things and see what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Well, if our listeners take away anything, it's they have a new script that you're <laughs> writing mm-hmm. over here for things to say. And I just want to say now, every time I walk into a room, I do want to say I'm here to dominate you yeah. on your knees. <laughs> yeah. Just whatever room it that. is. <laughs> Perfect. Oh my God. Listen. First thing in the morning, I say you should wake up and open your eyes and be like, good morning, day. You're going to be my bitch. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) just fucking take that role straight, straight as soon as you wake up. Just be like, this, this day is mine. You're my bitch. I'm here to dominate the world today. You know, our partners are just going to wake up and be like, what the fuck are you talking to yourself? (laughs) I love it, though. That's a great morning exercise. So can we talk a little bit now about like the submissive role and kind of what the submissive person would be getting out of that relationship. Yeah. So as a submissive, there's another misconception. Like I talked about the dominate dominatrix misconception Uh for the submissive. A lot of people that don't understand that role, look at the submissive as this like position of weakness, uh, which couldn't be further from the truth. So many times the, the clients that I've played with um, both professionally and personally, tend to be like just powerhouses in their personal lives. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. they run corporations and they're calling the shots and they're, you know, they're always sort of like in these positions of power um, most of the time in their lives. And a lot of them gravitate towards the submissive role because it's an opportunity to have some balance in their existence, right? It's like taking a vacation from who you normally are during normal business hours. So you can like be able to say, all right, I'm going to allow somebody else to call the shots for, for a while. I'm going to just sort of surrender and let go into this space and just be, it's almost can be meditative for people to just be fully present in the moment that they're in and allow another person to manipulate their senses, to manipulate their body, to manipulate their mind. Um, there's aspects of that that can feel really liberating and if I were to say anything about the submissive role, it takes a lot of fucking courage and strength to assume that role. Um, so being weak is there's nothing further than the truth. Like being submissive is not a form of weakness whatsoever. And when you're able to really surrender into something and totally let go, like I said, like, people that have the amazing experiences, these chemicals get released in your brain. There's like endorphins, adrenaline could be oxytocin. There's a lot of chemicals released into the body, into the brain, and it can almost feel like this high. Um, that's totally natural, but it's like a high feeling where they can feel like they're floating almost. It's, it's quite, it's quite amazing. So people in that submissive position gravitate towards that role in order to create more balance in their lives. And it's fucking, uh, I'm sorry, am I allowed to swear on this? Absolutely. absolutely. Yes, please. Um, (laughs) But they're able to sort of like let go into those spaces and get sort of a high from it. Um, that feels really good for them. I have clients that tell me, after they do a play session, they feel like they can function better in their lives, in their 
lives with their family, their friends, their jobs. Um, it's a real big release for people. Mm. So I think that's important to sort of bring up around the submissive aspect. Uh, totally, because I think the whole submissive role the only thing that people know are the misconceptions about that role. And so mm-hmm. talking about it and like just educating yourself on what that whole relationship looks like is really important. Yeah, there are a lot of misconceptions because I think that there's just not a lot of um, totally accurate like movies wise, book wise, you know, there's not a lot of accurate things that have been out in the media and people have like a misunderstanding about it. And it, as sort of um, normalized as kink is becoming, there's a lot of aspects to kink that aren't becoming normalized, like the idea around having clear communication, around having clear consent, and all these things to build a super safe foundation so people can safely explore and be able to be their most authentic selves. And these are things that people don't really have um, any sort of education on because they don't even see it depicted in any of the movies or things that are about kink. So that's sort of a shame. Absolutely. And that's arguably one of the most important parts too. <laughs> so totally. do any of the people who are going to be in the submissive role ever afraid to submit or do they walk in willing in, in that mindset of like, I'm now the submissive? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that and I think both parties get uh, a little excited or nervous or nerve sighted, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. And um, I think those are butterflies are part of the thrill of the experience. You know, if somebody's downright fearful um, of their safety during a session, I have to ask them, like, did you do the appropriate groundwork before becoming into the position of surrender? Because you have to be able to build trust with your partner to make sure that they have your best interests at heart. Unfortunately, there's a lot of bad apples out there. And even in the kink uh, community, you know, you have to take care of yourself. And I tell submissives, I tell everybody this, but I especially tell submissives or bottoms that, you know, always trust your gut. Like if you're interested in playing with someone and you're getting a weird vibe from them, trust that there's something up and at least investigate more before Mm -hmm. you put yourself in a vulnerable position. And I also say, you know, there's certain things to look out for. You don't want to get into a situation where you're with a fake dom, as as we call it, these fake doms that are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take you places and it's going to be amazing. But what they end up doing is they end up coercing their partners into doing activities and things that the person isn't actually a full yes to. Mm-hmm. And they feel like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to do this because my dom wants me to. And it's like, no, that's that's not how it works. So, you know, the idea around having butterflies can be healthy and it can add to the excitement. But when it comes, when it crosses over into a place of feeling like, like something's off and it does, it feels really unsettling. And like, there's something inside you saying like, I don't know about this. I always say, go slow, like go Mm -hmm. slow, talk to your partner, trust your gut. Again, both parties should do their homework. So they have a real clear understanding of how to proceed. But yeah, I always say, listen to that. Right. That's good that we, I like touching on the homework part and making sure that you're prepping and, you know, it's a whole experience that you get ready for. It's not, you just go into the bedroom and all this stuff happens and you listen to one person. It's a whole two people experience and both people need to be like consenting to what's going on. So I'm just loving learning so much. You're learning. (laughs) I love learning too. It's amazing. We would love to kind of, I don't know if it's taking a step back or just 
veering in a slightly different direction. But we would love to just kind of explore kink in general. Um, If you could tell us, kind of give us a definition of what kink is and then what your own brand of like conscious kink is. Sure. Yeah. So kink essentially is just the unconventional uh, of sex and what's unconventional for one might be different for another, but there's this idea that if there's a spectrum and on one side of the spectrum, it's what we call vanilla or conventional sex. So that could be missionary uh, position sex in a bed with the lights off with one partner. I mean, it's pretty standard. And then on the other side of the spectrum of what's possible can be an extreme version of like, you know, group sex with ponies. And <laughs> I don't know, like a tub of lube. I don't know. I'm just being silly really, but there's this um, idea that there's this big spectrum that you can explore fantasy wise and, and kink can be um, a lot of different things. Something as light as, you know, maybe just, talking dirty on the phone to something more hardcore that does involve acts like impact play, which is um, essentially like spanking, flogging, things, uh, caning someone, those sort of acts. But regardless of what the activity activity is, you can decide with your partner on what level of intensity you want to approach it. So you can do anything really, really light if you Mm -hmm. wanted to. You could do spanking caning even you could do a lot of different things in a really light manner or you could do anything even verbal talking to someone um, you can do it in a more heavy hardcore way so that's what I like about kink is that essentially it can be an option for you it, kink is a great tool to intensifying the sexual experience you know you also sort of become a little bit more vulnerable in those spaces which can create deeper intimacy it definitely requires a lot of communication so that can build with the partner or with you know within your relationship or within yourself being able to have strong communication skills um, deepen your trust with your partner etc so there's all these really great aspects to kink and when we talk about bdsm that's more specific so bdsm you could break down the word itself the b and the d in the beginning stands for bondage and discipline the d and the s in the middle stands for domination and submission and then the s and the m at the end stands for sadism and masochism or sadomasochism and basically bdsm um, is any of those sort of those six words i just described um, that's that incorporates BDSM. So that might be a, a little bit more specific, but I like kink because it sort of gives opportunity to explore desires, to, to use your imagination, um, and to, yeah, and to have that sort of dynamic with your partner in a more intimate, vulnerable way. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about conscious kink, it's very similar to kink in the sense uh, there's aspects of playing and, and getting involved in these certain activities. But with conscious kink, this sort of work that I do is about approaching kink in a very mindful way. And the purpose of that is to gather information and to learn about oneself. So you gain more erotic knowledge, but you also gain more self-knowledge. And instead of two people just playing and getting carried away in the moment, what happens in conscious kink is that you play, but you also take space to do deep breathing to feel into if there's any thoughts or feelings coming up as a person is playing. And if there is giving space to talk about it, giving space to even process emotions, this um, sort of stuff can not just be physically um, stimulating and mentally stimulating. It could be emotionally stimulating for people. So when you're engaging in conscious kink, 
you're sort of, yeah, you're deepening that experience with your partner. You're learning about it with your partner and you're be, you're able to sort of bring in that conscious piece so you can maybe even heal some aspects of your sexuality that need to be healed or in further empower yourself or whatever the person is looking for. But there's a lot of room for transformation when you bring consciousness into it. And for those that have experienced any sexual trauma or shame or any sort of, um, you know, obstacles in that department, conscious kink can be a really great uh, way of coming past all of those sort of hardships. So yeah, I've been using conscious kink as an approach to help people. Yeah. Just be better versions of themselves and be the people they want to be. Cause I think that the more, the healthier you you are sexually, the better it is that it's going to ripple out to all aspects of your life. So that's a kind of a core aspect to ourselves that gets overlooked a lot. But if you're not feeling good about yourself sexually or your sexuality has some stuff that maybe needs to be looked at, it's so important to do so because it does affect everything else in your life. I love the idea of conscious kink and talking about, um, you know, just unpacking all of that sexual exploration that sounds so important and is that is conscious king something you coined or is that something that a lot of people no it's a a term that's been used for a while now I, i wouldn't say it's as popular in the united states as it has been in europe um but it is slowly gaining more recognition and people are kind of looking at it in this way that because tantra has been around for a really long time Mm -hmm. of course and um people have sort of molded aspects of tantra and bdsm or kink together so there's this aspect of not just you know engaging in something physically, but also bringing in the breath, bringing in the um, body, the soul, the emotions, like having a really holistic approach to, to fantasy exploration can be really beneficial for a lot of different reasons. So yeah, I didn't coin it, but it's something that I'm really passionate about. And, um, as a somatic therapist, you know, bringing this into sessions with, uh, my clients has proved to be really, really powerful for them. And it's something that I want to keep, you know, spreading around the world if I can. Yeah. And it's a great, I like that you said earlier that kink can be found on kind of all levels. You can go in at a really basic kink level. And I think that's great to pair with conscious kink when you're starting out, because then you're exploring yourself, you're exploring your partner, you know, you guys are taking these small steps really consciously and um, intentionally. And I think that's a great those are great two steps to start taking if you want to explore kink. Absolutely. And especially when you're starting out and, and with your partner, I think bringing in that conscious piece can be really great because some people say, oh, I don't know, that sounds like complicated. I just want to like get carried away in the moment and just like let go of all that stuff. And I'm like, that's totally cool. I get that too. Um, again, this can really add to building the foundation with your partner and the stronger foundation you have with someone the deeper places that you can go. So your play or the way you engage together is not going to have this sort of uh, superficiality anymore. It's going to go into more deeper, emotional, transformative spaces. I mean, some people really experience like these transcendent sort of things that happen for them. Um, and that's kind of hard to uh, access if you're just doing things on a surface level. So this is just about bringing things deeper It's not for everyone, of course, but it's something that I suggest giving it a try and seeing, you know, what you learn from it, because knowledge is power at the end of the day, right? You just said you love learning, right, guys? So (laughs) it's all about learning. 
So how do you know if you're kinky? Because sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm probably a little kinky. And then other times I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) So are you born kinky or do you become kinky? (laughs) The ultimate question. question. Um, That's a really good question. And there's actually been scientific studies around this, around like, is kink an orientation? Like, are people born kinky or is it an identification? Um, And the the jury, this is what I've read through research, is that the jury is technically still out on this. There isn't any scientific research that proves that people are actually born uh, kinky per se a lot of the time things uh as we grow up as children and as we're starting to learn about our bodies and um realize this uh aspect of ourselves um yeah we start to see that a lot of our desires and kinks and fantasies can be linked back to those times of childhood in some cases there is uh there are people that actually have fetishized or eroticized certain aspects of their their histories into their adult lives. So for example, let's talk about fetishes for, for example. So a lot of people have foot fetishes, right? Mm -hmm. And people are all different where this may originate from, but I have several clients that have told me, and it could be feet, it could be stockings, et cetera. But they told me that as they were growing up as children, you know, they wanted more attention from their mother and, you know, they were young and a lot of the time, their mother in their house, you know, maybe would set them down on the ground in front of the TV and would run around taking care of business in the house. And they would be at the sort of uh, eye level to the feet or to the, if they were looking at stockings, one one or the other. And while they didn't necessarily want to have sex with their mother, there was this (laughs) idea that the mother is the symbol of love and affection and care and nurturance that, you know, all children need in order to, to, you know, thrive and to grow up. And being that they have this symbol for their mother, the feet was um, eroticized in a way. So they, as they became adults, they noticed that, oh, I like looking at feet. Like I feel aroused when I look at feet or when I see someone wearing stockings, it makes me feel really aroused. And that's a normal thing that can come up. So sometimes kinks and fetishes, they don't have to come from trauma by any means, Mm -hmm. but sometimes for people, it comes from a place of, wherever they didn't really maybe get their needs met fully as children or as young um, or as teenagers, they somehow eroticize that and they do get them met in their fantasies in this sort of indirect way. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an interesting thing and everybody's different. So I don't want to generalize everybody's sort of different. And, um, you know, being kinky for me, I think is just being sexually adventurous because like I described earlier, there's this huge spectrum of what kink can be. And it doesn't mean that you have to, you know, go out and buy whips and chains and, or anything like that. It could mean like, oh, I just kind of want to talk a little dirty before we get this show on the road or, oh, I wouldn't mind like putting on this little French maid uniform. You know, there's (laughs) these little playful aspects of being kinky that people can incorporate into their sex lives. And it's just kind of about being sexually adventurous and who doesn't like uh, adventure. You know what I mean? I mean, so often relationships get really stagnant and boring and old after a period of time. So if you're with a partner that's like, Hey, how can we keep things new and fresh and like explore and and, and try new things? I mean, that kind of keeps things um, interesting, you know? Totally. I had no idea it could go so deep into you know, not, not even just from trauma, just from growing up and seeing, you know, your mom walking around. Like that's, 
that's really interesting. And I love the idea that someone out there is studying if you're born kinky <laughs> and I want to be on that team. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's, yeah. I, I so agree. You know, I had, a, I had this client, she, um, you know, really enjoyed being dominated. Uh, she's, she's straight, but she wanted to see me and kind of work out some stuff because she wasn't really clear on where this all came from. And we were doing a session together and, you know, she said she liked to be tied up. She wants to be spanked. She wants to do all of these different things. And, you know, at one point I just stopped all of these different activities I was doing and I just stopped and I just like held her um, face in my hand and I just stared at her really intensely and really deeply, like just looked right into her soul. And I was like, you know, giving her like my full un undivided attention, just like completely present with her. And she really felt held and seen in that place. And she sort of broke down into tears and came to this realization that she had always wanted to feel that from her dad, like to always feel that like real presence and deep like attention and, and connection with her parent. And she thinks that she was interested in being with men who were dominant, who were willing to be dominant with her in a kinky setting because she so craved just wanting someone's full attention the entire time and just wanting to feel their like unbridled passion for her and like, you know, just wanted to tear her into pieces in this like very romantic ravenish sort of way. Um, and that's really what her kinks were about. And through that information, she was able to choose better partners that could meet her needs in that way, but weren't abusive on the other hand, you right. know, like you have to look out for these sort of things. So that was a really powerful experience for her that we gathered through the conscious kink session. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And you're kind yeah, of like really cool. a therapist. <laughs> you, you are, are a therapist, therapist. <laughs> at yeah. the same time. I mean, I guess you have the perfect job. Yeah. That's that's incredible yeah. that you can start seeing people so clearly like that through those sessions. Mm -hmm. I think that's really an amazing gift to give to people. Thank you. And I want to say also, you know, and you don't even have to go to those levels, but yeah, um, and not all kink is therapeutic, of course, right. but it can be very cathartic. It can be, and it can be just real lighthearted fun. You know what I mean? It can be whatever you want it to be. That's what I always try to tell people is not to pigeonhole themselves into a certain role or ideal of what it has to look like. It can be whatever the hell you want and it could be different each and every time. It's really up to you and it, the sky's the limit, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it's so cool that you can do both of those things. I mean, you're clearly such a cool, fun person to talk to, but then the fact that you're also a therapist, like it just shows, I don't know. I feel like that's so powerful and important that you're able to do that work for people and oh. be there for them. So mm -hmm. thank you. You're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and we would, I'm also wondering, these are all yeah. coming straight from my heart. <laughs> um, yeah. How do you figure out what you're into? Is that just trial and error? And if it's <laughs> trial and error, what is my first step? <laughs> what is Cass's first I step? I love these questions. Um, you know, I'm curious if if I were to send you guys a link, um, if you could maybe make it available to your listeners, because Absolutely. I have something called the kink checklist and people can also go to my website if for whatever reason they can't access it. Um, we can put can it right in the show notes. And um, go through this thing called the kink checklist, either by yourself or with a partner. And it lists all of these like activities. And there's a lot of stuff there. And there might be a lot of stuff you're like, uh, hell no. Uh, but <laughs> there might be a couple things you're like, ooh, 
Hmm. You know, and those little, those little peaks of interest are something to just make note of because even as you're going through this list and you're saying like, Oh, being spanked. I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, like you can start like getting a clear picture of what you're into, you know, aside from that, also looking at your own fantasies, like when you, for example, when you masturbate or when you're trying to get into that sort of uh, erotic state, like, are there certain images that come to mind? Some people, it may not be super kinky, but some people are like, oh, I mean, I'm just imagining this man just grabbing me and throwing me up against the wall. You know, like there's this idea of being that manhandled or they're like, oh, I just like take this guy by surprise and he wasn't even expecting it. And I'm like, yeah, you're all mine. I'm going to I'm going to do whatever I want to you. So they start to like kind of unpack and, and um, look at like what sort of things they're looking at uh, or sorry, thinking about fantasy wise. And you can sort of go through the king checklist with these things in mind. And it's a good starting point. And again, like it is, it is a, a journey, you know, you're going to try a couple things and some things are going to work and some things aren't going to work. And, and you'd be surprised two years later, you might be like, actually that thing that didn't work is something that I want to do with my partner that I'm deeply in love with and trust with my life. So that thing I wasn't so keen on actually feels like something I want to try in this sort of uh, dynamic in this relationship. So it's always uh, evolving and changing. But to start out, I say, look at your own fantasies. What do you feel like they tend to look like, even if they're, they seem different all the time? Are there similar themes that are concurrent in each fantasy? And if you don't have anything that, that concrete, look at the King Checklist and look at the different activities. What kind of makes your lady parts or your male parts tingle when you read it and what is sort of like a bleh, like disdain sort of feeling and 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 follow that information because the body is going to going to kind of give you those answers you know I love the idea of that I am 100% going to do that <laughs> Oh it's so good it's so good for yourself and then when you're with a partner I mean ladies I'll I'll keep it real with you guys <laughs> when I'm dating this is something that gets broken out like third or fourth date <laughs> I love <laughs> That. Yes. I'm like, hey, usually, okay, to be fair, usually I wait uh, for us to just have regular sex or whatever just mm -hmm. to see if there's like a, a situation where I want to continue forward. But eventually I'm going to break out this list and I'm going to do it in a fun and sexy way. And I'm like, I want to know what sort of stuff you're into. And I want to share with you the stuff I'm into. Can you, would you go through this list with me? And there might be a few things where it's like um, a hell no. And there might be a few maybes and it might be a, a couple hell yeses. And it's like, oh, let's, let's try a hell yes activity um, and just see how it goes. And for me, that's a really good telltale sign if a person is going to be at the level that I, I need in order to feel complete in a relationship. Because right. if that person looks at my list and is like, I am not willing to even have this discussion, then this relationship is not going to work. You know right. what I mean? And I kind of need to know that up front because life is short. <laughs> Hell yeah. There you go. Life is short. Don't spend it with someone you can't connect with sexually. So mm -hmm. that's perfect. King Absolutely. Checklist is so smart. And I love that you said that like you can revisit things that maybe you weren't super into before because your kinks could probably change depending upon your partner mm -hmm. and kind of where you're at emotionally with them or whatever. So mm -hmm. that's great to keep in mind too. Absolutely. Everything you know, I, I am a professional dominatrix in my professional life, but in my personal life, I identify as a switch and someone who's a switch kind of can go uh, back and forth between the different roles. Um, and 
I, I, I say to people like, yeah, it depends on my mood. It depends on the person I'm with. It depends on what I feel like I'm needing, but I, I personally enjoy being able to have that variety. So I like to switch it up and that's not for everyone. Of course, some people just want to stick with one thing or the other, but I just like to let people know like, yeah, this is your journey and you get to make it however you want. Yeah, absolutely. It's dynamic. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. going to ask you about your personal sex life, but so I'm glad you touched on it by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah, but no, I'm an open book for the most part, honestly. I love it all. This has been so fun. <laughs> you guys have been so fun. I, I love talking about this stuff. And I think, you know, these subjects can feel really scary, whether, you know, you're a, a powerful force in the in the world or, or not like the subjects of sex can feel really vulnerable for people totally. and can also make people feel a little young and and yeah so you know these are important things to sort of learn about and and to take those steps towards because it's going to enrich your life so much more if you can totally learn about like and just debunk any myths or just misconceptions and just totally understand just people, just what, yeah. what you're mm-hmm. into, what people are into people's lives and professions. It's amazing. Cause even if our mm-hmm. listeners, you know, even if you're listening to this and you're like, mm, I'm not sure I'm going to try it. At least, you know, now that you it's not more. what you were probably picturing. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like that's so important yeah. for our personal growth. Even Absolutely. Outside of our that's what you're supposed to be doing. Nope is learning and growing. So it's great. Well, if our listeners haven't already gotten everything they need, this is the part in our episode where we like to do homework for honeys. Where we like to talk about one actionable step that we can all start taking to incorporate what we talked about today. So Kimmy, would you give us some homework to work on? Absolutely. I was giving this some thought and I think sort of this as a beginning stage would be an important step. So there's this idea of whether or not you have a partner or are in a relationship. I think it's important to have an opportunity to create a real deep connection with yourself and to be able to access your own erotic energy. And that's also called Eros energy. That Eros energy is linked to our sexualities, but it's also linked to our power and to our creativity and to a lot of juicy stuff. So I always say, you know, if you have an opportunity for some solitude to be alone in this space, to just take a moment, have a seat, get in a comfortable position, close your eyes and do some deep breathing, uh, really feeling your stomach and diaphragm expanding as you're taking in breath and blowing it back out again in through the nose out through the mouth and start to tune into yourself, start to tune into your own erotic energy. I tell people to bring in the, 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 their own touch, you know, like uh, so people, so many people overlook this, but like just using your hands on your own skin and just feeling your body touching yourself. And it doesn't have to be too erotic or sexual, but really kind of making contact with yourself as you're deep breathing, as you're deeply connecting to yourself. I put on erotic music or music, at least that inspires the erotic that feels really sexy. That kind of gets me into those spaces. And eventually I come into a, like a place where I move my body. I dance, I sort of ignite the erotic energy, I build on it. And that just feels good in general. I like to do that whether I'm self-pleasuring by myself or whether I'm going to be in connection with another partner. But when I deeply connect to myself and I really arouse myself, I bring in 
that erotic energy and I bring that to a partner, it's like fireworks. Imagine if we like took that time and care to build on that for ourselves and then both partners brought our full like luscious erotic selves to each other it could be like really really incredible so i say homework is to listen to some erotic music to take some time for yourself breathe into your body touch your body feel into it and then start coming into some movement, into some dance, especially getting into the hips, getting into the legs, moving the pelvis and moving slowly and seeing what comes up for you. Like, do you start to fantasize? Do you start to feel this place of, um, yeah, wanting to be erotic with someone and, and take in that information, but doing your own sort of exploration is super important. And I think it can really add whether you're in a relationship or not, but can really add to uh, a relationship if you bring that aspect of yourself forward. So that's my homework. I love it. And if you head to Kimmy's TikTok, she has lists of all of the erotic songs, right? <laughs> I, I went do. through those the other I do. day. Yeah, I have a top 10 list of my favorite erotic songs that, yeah, please check it out. And um, I'm sure, yeah, if you have anything that resonates more with your style, use all the stuff that really resonates with you because there's a lot of sexy music out there. Love it. Beautiful. And where can our listeners connect with you? I know TikTok, your TikTok is phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, so thank you. I would highly recommend Kimmy's TikTok. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that's Please. music to my ears. Thank you. So yeah, whether it's TikTok, Facebook, or Instagram, it's at Kimmy Inch, which is my name. It's K-I-M-I-I-N-C-H. And then my website is just as easy. It's also my name. It's www.kimmyinch.com. Again, it's K-I-M-I-I-N-C-H. And that's that's it. You can find me through my name. Beautiful. And we will have all of that linked in the show notes. So it'll be super easy for listeners oh, to keep great. on connecting with you. Can I just use some champagne or some mold wine? Mold wine. What mold is wine? it? I think mold it, is it mold or mold. I don't know. What did Moldy? I say? <laughs> anyway. Anyways, I don't want any. I don't want it. I don't want that. I wanted champagne. Thank you. What do you drink when you're listening to us talk? Because <laughs> you, you have to, to keep up with anything. To get on this level. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Am I right? We finished a bottle of champagne today. Cheers to that. Oh, shit. Anyway, this is where I thank people. Um, (laughs) But thank you to my mom. Thank you to the academy. Teachers. (laughs) But thank you, seriously, to Kimmy Inch. Literally could not have been more blessed to have you on this Mm -hmm. podcast. It was such an honor to talk to you about your job and how it fucking works. It was amazing. So thank you so much for being on the episode. And we have some plans to keep that conversation going. So be on the lookout for that episode. Exactly. Kimmy had some killer ideas. Totally. And thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in today. And now it's my turn. Yep. Um, I was going to (laughs) drink. Sorry. (laughs) There's something I'm going to ask of you. (laughs) Let me get my words together. It's going to be so different from anything that she ever usually asks you for. I want you to go to your safest space. (laughs) Head over to Apple Podcasts (laughs) and rate, review, and subscribe to Honey Do Me Podcast. Helps us exponentially. Exponentially. You don't even know the impact. Don't you want to help us? Don't you like me? Don't you want to hear this? Stop. (laughs) So stop making us ask you every week. If you do it, we'll never ask again. I promise. Yeah. Well, eh, we're going to keep going. My fingers are crossed. But we are so appreciative of all of your support. 
we could not be doing this without you. We would not want to be doing this without you. <laughs> and if you want more of us, head over to our website, sign up for our email list. It's honeydoomypodcast.com. You can also get there from our Instagram at honeydoomypodcast, the link in our bio. You're going to get our 10 favorite sex things. They're phenomenal. We haven't looked at them in a while. We'll see if they're still our favorites. <laughs> yeah. But they were good they at were. one point in time. Exactly. Um, and you'll get our weekly emails. You'll get our weekly emails. That's the other reason for signing yeah. up. Yeah. All so. about the episodes and then possible upcoming promotions that we're doing. Yeah. Gifts, surprises, nudes, nudes. sign up. It's worth it. <laughs> Not necessarily our nudes. Someone's. Listener submissions. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Anyway, well, we hope you guys have a great rest of your week and... See you next time. Yep. Hey, you do it now.